Hey, it's episode nine of the TV Junk Podcast, and this is The Bear. My name is Greg. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to send us an email, tvjunkpodcast at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at tvjunkpodcast. With me on the show today, we've got uh, Jay. Oh, hi. How's it going, Jay? How you doing? I'm not too good or bad. How are you? <laughs> are, oh, are you good or are you bad? I am good. Good. And uh, you're, you're just uh, over the vid? Yeah, just uh, at the tail end of COVID and feeling revitalized. Excellent. That's really good to hear. Zach, how are you? Hey, what up? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> Uh, you also uh, are familiar with the vid. Yeah. Um, mid-vid. Yeah, mid-vid. Uh, I'm just getting over it right now. I just got the COVID brain right now. so uh, Fair enough. Yeah. And this is the first time you had it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a first-timer here. Uh, just happy to, to have it and to uh, <laughs> finally take part in it, hear what everyone else is talking about. Jay, you're also a first-timer? Yeah, <clears throat> I've, I've managed to avoid it for this long. And we've also got Frank. And Frank, you also recently had a taste of the vid. Yeah, I'm about three weeks removed at this point, to the day almost. So, uh, and, and was that your first time? It was also my first time, yeah. Wow. So I guess you guys like didn't get it all at the, at the same place. Never know. <laughs> Did you all like uh, personal? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can get it through podcasting. We don't know the science yet. It's true. I didn't even hang out with these guys in the last three weeks, last couple months. <laughs> well, it followed you somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, vid free uh, uh, since uh, last April. So uh, fingers crossed. Though I did get just get back from Florida, and. Uh, yeah, so I was uh, very fortunate, I think, because uh, it's the Wild West down there. And, well, now it's also very wet. <laughs> it's very bad down in Florida. But, uh, yeah, so it was a, it was a good time uh, down in uh, Disney. And I came back, watched the bear, and we're ready to talk about this uh, show. Just a um, question, Greg. Yeah. Did you pick up any park-exclusive Funko Pops while you were in Disney? Uh, I did not pick up any park exclusive Funko Pops. Pop, uh, pops. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was, you know, uh, is, is that really a thing that people should be getting? Um, define should. I mean, <laughs> are they, yeah. Hey, are you aware? Like, how do you know that they exist? How, like, are you, are you tracking these things? No, Top Pops has done a number of videos where he and his family visited Disneyland and they go through and show all of the park exclusive pops. I'm surprised they do that. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but they I thought they'd be pushing Vinylmation, their own kind of exclusive version of Funkos, but Oh, Vinylmation's dead. Vinylmation's dead? Oh yeah. Long dead. Funko killed it. Yeah. They had uh they did one series for the 50th anniversary but before that it'd probably been four or five years since they'd done anything yeah it's dead thank god i never got on that train <laughs> you'd be you'd be devastated oh absolutely so uh vinylmation were like uh three inch figurines of all of the properties owned by disney but they all had mickey mouse ears 
So you could get Spider-Man with Mickey ears. Or, yeah, it's like Funko taking a standard shape and applying yeah. character designs to them. It wasn't particularly cool, but... You loved it. It was collectible. I thought about it. I had to think about it. <laughs> All right. So we're talking uh, The Bear. It was uh, created by uh, Christopher Storer. He, uh, he also wrote four episodes and, and directed five. It stars uh, Jeremy Allen White, um, uh, Lionel Boyce, uh, Abby Elliott, and uh, Maddie Matheson, uh, you know, for, for, for us, Matty Matheson, he's a, he's a local guy. He's from the Niagara area, a very famous chef, and got himself uh, into an acting gig. Um, so what would you guys think of the bear? Give me your quick thoughts, and we'll start with Frank. Whoa. I uh, wasn't expecting that. I was. Uh, Sean was supposed to be here. He had... Or well, he couldn't come, so I filled in, and I was watching it anyway. I, I watched the last two episodes last night. A lot of people were recommending this show to me, and the first. What's everybody episodes, saying about the bear? I, 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 really, <laughs> I know it's intentional to some degree, but you know the the workplace environment of this show, the chaos. Uh, I do not like it. It causes me anxiety. I'm sure part of that is intentional, but I don't like watching it. It bothers me at times the way people treat each other in this. Uh, it, it really relax. does. I don't relax. Like I mean, there's a moment we'll talk about later that like it makes me so mad. Um, but by the end, I mean the two main characters, Carmen and Sydney. I think. Those characters and those performances are phenomenal. I think both of them are amazing. And the two last episodes really pull the entire season together. So while it was a bit, not a struggle, but I didn't know exactly how I felt about it going through the show, the last two episodes, I thought, really ended this, I'll also add, very easy watch in terms of length and like consuming a show, uh, it ended it very well and left a very good taste in my mouth. But I should also add, I don't like food stuff. I don't, I'm not into food porn and that kind of stuff. So that's another barrier, uh, bear year of, of entry. <laughs> when, when you say uh, food porn, do you mean like, just like, like the, the visuals of seeing food, yeah, or like, like but, food or shows, cooking shows, people are like, Oh, I'm such a had almost no I'm the opposite of foodie. So this show is it like might on the surface, not appear to be for me. Ultimately, I think the, the food and the ki- the kitchen is the restaurant is a setting for these characters. Uh, and that's why it still works. But again, another reason why it might not uh, like really appeal to me, uh, at the start. So you're not talking about people that like to, you know, get a little sensual with with food. No, no, I'm, not that kind I, of food. Porn. Again, I don't like. I don't care if people like that stuff. It's just not something I'm into. So you're judging. I'm, I'm not judging. <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, judging, I really didn't. I'm judging whether I would naturally like this show. I'm sure people who like <clears throat> cooking and kitchens and that lifestyle, it seems extremely unappealing to me. That's what I was thinking. The first five episodes is this life would drive me crazy I, I i hate everything about it uh the chaos the attitude um i don't know but the show is still good all right zach um i mean i, I guess I'm, I'm almost the opposite of frank i love cooking shows um i watch all of them i love all of them i love all a of lot them. i love all of them um i love 
Porn, uh, food porn. I love porn of all kinds. Um, <laughs> I celebrate the entire variety. Um, um, I, there was a lot in the show that I I do really like. I like the city of Chicago. I love Italian beef sandwiches. I love a lot of '90s music. <laughs> I love a lot of grunge music. Um, I, I didn't love the show, though. I, I I really liked it, but I didn't love it. I kind of agree that it didn't really kind of all come together throughout the entire series. And there was a, what I loved about it was the stuff in the kitchen. And what I didn't like was almost everything outside of that that didn't really kind of connect with me. I didn't really think it kind of held together all that much. Like some of the stuff around the family and the brother... Um, they didn't really do much for me and they don't really do much with that storyline. So I think those one, those parts weren't as, uh, as appealing to me, but all the stuff with the food, I would have loved more with the kind of food and food culture and the kind of atmosphere of the people kind of cooking together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was a great to see a, a cooking show cause I don't think there's too many of them. I mean, it's probably the best cooking show since, uh, Master Chef Junior, maybe of last season. I don't know. What do you guys think? But um, I mean, I, I do you consider uh, Kid Nation is, a, a cooking show? It or kind of is, was. is is it cake a show? A cooking show? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I think it is. Um, last season, is it cake? Which came out a couple weeks ago. That was probably the best one. But um, I didn't even know that. Wow. There's more. Is it cake? There was season two, I think. Oh my god, I'm way behind. Okay. No, I don't think so. Was there? I didn't watch the Love is Blind yeah. follow-up show. <laughs> I, did you watch that, Frank? What? The Love is Blind no, follow-up? I, I haven't watched oh, it. No, I, I, got, uh, I got some catching up I've to watched, it. I've watched it. We can so talk I, about so, that. Yeah, we, do we want to talk about that in front of Frank? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I'll look up whether there's another season of Is a Cake, but Jay, do you want to go ahead? Uh, sure, yeah. I... I I just finished the show 10 minutes before we started recording. Um, so it's quite fresh in my COVID brain and I enjoyed it. I mean, there, there are maybe some minor things that were, uh, didn't work for me as well as other things, but nothing I think that, you know, brought the whole show down as a whole. Um, I like, as Zach said, the Chicago setting, um, home of ER, uh, and, you know, just, it felt like after having done 15 seasons of ER that I was back, I was back in Chicago. You're, you're basically you learning things, Joe, though, Jay, did you know about the statues and architecture of Chicago? I, like the the specific story that he told yeah are you aware of these things like it, it's no because they didn't cover i mean er mainly takes place in the emergency room so they didn't get to any of the architecture yeah. but i hey. appreciated learning more about chicago through the bear but i, um, I you know i hate when the shows <clears throat> chicago is a character or cliches like that but i do like the way there is some like literal tying in of the history and leaning on that aspect. If you're going to use a city as a setting and claim, you know, it's a character, uh, you know, this is a show that I think embraces its setting in a way that I can at least buy it to some degree. It is part of the show. Not that I care or think it's of that much benefit to the show. 
Yes, Chicago is a part of the show. Um, <laughs> it's a good setting for a show. At least it's not an LA also, restaurant. Also, um, um, the restaurant is part of the show. Uh, <laughs> is that that? It's a real place, right? Am I mistaken I, that it's a, I, I a real? So. But it the isn't? original beef of Chicagoland, that place. Yeah, it's not a real place. Well, I mean, the original, like the original beef, is like a, a staple in 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 Chicago. But I don't know if that particular restaurant is is real or not. Zach, are you googling it as we speak? I am. It's in there, like top five uh, movie and TV hoaxes of all time. It's right under hoverboards and Back to the Future Part Two being real. Mm. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's real. Can't <laughs> you believe, Where'd you get that idea? I thought I saw Maddie posting on his social media outside of a real restaurant, but um, I mean, it's it wouldn't be the first time, like you know, that a real story oh. takes place in a f- real place. You got an update, Zach? No, wait. Let me keep reading. I wasn't reading very closely. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, the, I mean, I original I, Mr. Beef on Orly- or- Orleans, it seems, and. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. That's what, Mr. Beef. <laughs> I love that. Sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> I love beef. Yeah, beef today. The original I, beef I'm, of Chicago Chicago land is located in the North River neighborhood of Chicago and is popular among the blue collar crowd on the city's north near North Side. I, I actually can't even tell if they're talking about the the show. The show, well, because yeah. <laughs> because they're talking about the family who runs it. Okay, it's a very confusing article. Well, uh, you can keep researching that, but I I, <laughs> I also like shows about food, and I watch a lot of cooking shows and baking shows and whatnot, and I find that the um, the the kind of setting of a restaurant, a service setting, is intriguing and entertaining and and stressful i think on uh, intentionally and it doesn't it doesn't uh scare me or make me upset or <laughs> you know like just i'm not unhinged in that way i i'm <laughs> but i certainly not scared i uh i enjoyed the the atmosphere of the show and it felt authentic there are some characters that are bigger than other characters like the cousin is a very big character he's he's like bordering on on cartoony i completely um, but um i think generally the the crew of cooks that they have like i i love the little side plot of the one guy trying to figure out donuts and um making his cakes and just the way in which everyone is becoming inspired by this guy coming in and wanting to change the restaurant for the better. And, but also that, that conversation about like, there's an ecosystem here and when you fuck with it, you could bring all of us down. Um, I think that was an interesting part of it as well. Okay. I just want to interrupt with a new update. So in the show's first season, Mr. Beef on or- Orleans, a uh, restaurant deli in Chicago, doubled as the original beef of Chicagoland. It's so restaurant- it's set in a real restaurant, not of the same name. 
it seems like, right? Yeah, yes. similar, similar name, but similar style. How dare I? Why would I ever think that, right, Frank? Why would I ever think that, dude? Shits. <laughs> At least I was fooled by hoverboards, like them pretending they were real in something. It wasn't like... I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if that's any better or what a or, comeback. Or, <laughs> this guy's on fire. So you're you're admitting that you uh, thought the hoverboards were real? Yeah, when I was a kid, because they pretty much said they were in a made like a making of Back to the Future thing. <laughs> yeah. Like he heard it on a, a, a Twitter post or saw it on a Twitter post. He's wrong. Yeah, and it was true. It no, was it's true. Not, it's not a real restaurant. They just used it as a place to film it. It doesn't mean it like you can go and get the menu from uh, this restaurant. Well, no, the the characters, the actors do not work at the restaurant in character. I'm not saying that. I'm and saying and that. serve the food that they make on the show. You're not going You're right. to the original. <laughs> Jay, when you were there, did you try the the braised beef on risotto at the restaurant? I've never been there. Oh, okay. But I, I'm sure they serve it. I mean, it was reviewed in the show, so it was probably reviewed in real life, and that's what they serve. Man, this show's starting off, starting off hot like that beef. <laughs> oh, this is the kitchen. You take the heat or get it, get right out of here. Anyway, you know, right. I, I don't like that type of atmosphere. So, Jay, I apologize <laughs> for being uh, so challenging about that. I think uh, we're both right and we're both wrong. And uh, but I was more wrong. So uh, sorry, chef. Uh, you're welcome, chef. I would appreciate a herd, please. Herd. Herd. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I really liked the show. Um, I enjoyed uh, like the the strong character personalities, and I, I, I love the atmosphere of the of the restaurant. Um, I, I embrace chaos. Um, I also enjoy food shows and food service shows like party down and and cheers that's kind of a food restaurant <laughs> show right i think the that lunch counts. box the lunchbox era of roseanne oh of course <laughs> um but uh yeah no i uh again i think the easy watch of it of it uh really helped i mean eight half hour episodes that uh that's like right up my alley for time i want to spend uh spend on something um but uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like so, the show kind of centers around uh, uh, Carmi Berzato. Uh, now he's a um, a James Beard award-winning chef, and he was the 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 head chef of like the the best restaurant in the world that we heard repeatedly. And so the idea of the show is that he comes back to his hometown to take over the sandwich shop that his brother owned and operated after he committed suicide um so right away we uh we kind of get introduced to you know all the shit that's running through uh carmy's head with you know trying to balance uh running this restaurant and and meeting this new crew and and trying to figure out why his brother committed suicide and and all that um and uh, uh, immediately we get an actual bear reference uh in the show called the bear and um i don't know i'm i I think i'm probably right but but there were a few instances where we saw actual bears in this show and i think frank you probably didn't like that 
Uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's a dream at the beginning. I, well, there was one bear when he, again, he was having a nightmare. He was hosting a cooking show and there was a bear and that looked like the bear was operating one of the cameras on the television show. Yeah, that's, that's a later episode. I didn't mind it. I guess it wasn't until that episode that I realized his last name was Bearzato or like, is that when it's revealed or did everyone know that, that that's why the name of the show was the bear? Or you they they you may have mentioned it out late. Well, yeah, I think they may have mentioned in the name, but like this was when I think was the point where they wanted everybody to recognize it, whether you did earlier or not. Okay, because I, I didn't. So I think there are, for whatever reason, I didn't watch it like in one sitting, but sometimes in shows you kind of forget about things and they plant seeds that, you know, develop later. I was kind of conscious and never forgot through this uh, season about the letter that was found and rehidden and the idea of the bear and like those things haven't been resolved yet. So I kind of knew they, I, I was expecting them to get resolved in the end. And I do like the way both of those things are resolved by the end of the season. That's why I think, you know, the ending is, or the last two episodes in particular are extremely important. Uh, it's, it's kind of the same thing throughout the first six episodes to some degree, like just learning who these characters are and then building their relationships. But uh, it does all come together to me in those last two episodes. And, uh, but I really like, I think Jeremy Allen White is really good as Carmi. But I think it's, uh, I, first of all, most of the cast, other than maybe like John Barenthal and some second, like really secondary uh, performers, I didn't really know from anything. But uh, Io Edabiri, who plays Sydney, like she's amazing. Like, I thought she was. Like so natural, such a cool character, a nice like counterbalance. Uh, kind of maybe took how I would feel. I felt like the outsider coming in. I think that's she represents like someone coming into this environment and you know figuring it out and not liking certain things the way I would not like certain things. And uh, I thought their dynamic and her presence really is essential to the show. And yeah acting as the audience in some way and like the character, I think you're intended to like the most and that really succeeds. And a moment where that happens for me, it's a very, I think it's a kind of a manipulative moment, but it works is when she's kind of new as well and getting leader, like a leadership position and Tina like intentionally sabotages her pot and like, Turn like I was so mad. I I, I have it like I. It was like the end of uh, Ford v Ferrari. I, I it, it just made me like viscerally angry in a way that not a lot of stuff does. So I think that's a pretty effective moment, and uh, I, the show does a really good job in her performance of making you like her and wanting her to succeed. And uh, that's why the show kind of works for me. I don't care as much about the people who are already in the kitchen. I kind of care about her. Well, I mean, like we, we spend essentially the first six episodes really learning about all the characters in the show. And, you know, it's, it's not even, is it, it's not even three full hours of, of content though. So like, uh, it, it doesn't feel like they, they, they crammed uh, too much into the beginning of the show to get to those final two episodes where, um, you really kind of get taken on, uh, this journey with the with the whole restaurant and and the crew and they finally start to to come together but i think 
I think the way that they introduced all of these secondary characters in, in the kitchen, um, I really enjoyed. Um, I liked all their personalities and, um, you know, I, I think you are supposed to hate Tina for what she did, you know, and, you know, uh, but they, like, you grow to like her as well. Yeah, for moment, sure. And in that moment, I was like fuming. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was capturing all of my feel, which is effective, I guess. Like that's probably the point. But uh, I don't know. It gives me bad feelings too. And Jay, you mentioned uh, uh, um, the 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 pastry chef Marcus and how uh, he had uh, kind of his little story of trying to figure out the donuts after he was kind of inspired by um, the the chef's book that uh, that Carmi had left lying around um, and like like the the weird part is the first time that I think that we see Marcus he's just like he's the like the bread maker and then he uh, all of a sudden he's like he's making these delicious chocolate cakes and then he's going into uh desserts like was did they mention that he he did that stuff earlier on and then he and he just was kind of just getting better at it or was he just kind of like the bread guy at the beginning because it was just it seemed weird that uh like they spend like the first episode of, of kind of teaching him how to, how to make the bread soft and in, in the oven that was too hot. Um, and then like really the next time they focus on him, he's like decorating these amazing cakes. Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think a part of a big part of what they're looking at there and with Sydney is the idea of creative expression, but also, being realistic about what they're there to do, which is serve sandwiches, which is, I think why by the end of the series, we get to where we get to it. It, it has to, you know, the, the, as the, the cousin says, the ecosystem changes and suddenly they're elevating things and it's creating this environment that's inspiring people to want to do more and be more creative and uh carmy has to kind of manage that by not overshooting like the risotto thing um as good as the dish was it wasn't making sense for them at that time but it might make sense for the bear um and then the, all the concerns of the cousin you know there's a, also a class issue there where he talks about um wanting you know to make sure that the restaurant caters to the working class people that have been going there for however many years but you know we all know and uh, all of us who watch kitchen nightmares you kind of settle into a a routine you don't push yourself and then you end up depending on your regulars and when that isn't enough to keep the business afloat you have to make some changes but the fear is that by making those changes, you'll alienate your your regular customers. But you have to do what you got to do. So sometimes you got to bring in a risotto. Sometimes you got to bring in the donuts and cakes. And I feel like I, I think I liked that character because it felt like he had this inspiration lingering, like dormant within him and was never able to explore it because of the creative limitations of working in a sandwich place, you know, and once, you know, then uh, Carmi comes in and it's under new management, basically that 
creates a, an environment where people can be more uh, creative and, and, you know, self-expression can kind of guide some of the dishes. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like that storyline as well. Like, he was kind of my, probably my favorite <clears throat> secondary plot of the story was following him. And I think what's like, I think, what's really interesting about say um, cooking shows or cooking movies and, and, and things like this is, is that there is this kind of line between like following your passion, but always never really being able to kind of reach there or something like the kind of story of like cooking is that it's like, you know, you do it out of love and you want to create something magical, but so much of it is just grunt work and so much of it is disaster and so much of it is problems. So it's kind of interesting to see that kind of dynamic play out where everyone kind of has a deeper passion to create something, but many of them are just doing routine stuff every day. Like you're just creating, you know, a a sandwich and meals that perhaps are not necessarily that well looked upon by normal people right it just seems like an italian beef sandwich and you know chicken pepper which they all looked very good i will say like the the meals um and even the cake right but a lot of it you know it's a kind of um interesting story to see it play out of like how they all have these different passions but then there's also the reality of we have to sell certain things and we have to sell what's most popular and what people will buy and also what we can do in the restaurant yeah, there's some yeah. logistic stuff and uh, some of the the plot lines we're talking about feel a little arbitrary, like the, the risotto thing to me, like not doing it. I, I don't really get a good, like when he says it's not ready, uh, I don't know, the, the guidance aspect of this chef, I like the inspirational aspect, but as a leader, I know he's learning to like to have that role, but I feel like a lot of the stuff is like very written and the decision-making by a lot of the characters, I would question in reality. Uh, the idea of the electronic system and how that causes chaos, no one would implement a system like that. There, there are ways to test things and do things that I, I, I can't see it playing out the way it played out. Now it's there for the show. I love that episode. I think it's my favorite episode by far, but uh, you know, it, it, a lot of it feel, the show feels very written to me, even though it, there's this natural idea of being in the kitchen. I I'm seeing script beats and ideas like, um, pretty obviously scattered throughout the show. And that's not a huge deal, but I, I was really aware of it when I was watching it. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't get that impression while watching it or particularly around the scene with the kind of the braised beef or the risotto dish. Like it, it was very clear, like, you know, I mean, at that point, you don't really know, is he saying no to this because he's kind of jealous or he doesn't want, he wants to be in control. And so there's some question around why exactly he's doing that. And it's hard to know. And, you know, he's also kind of the leader or the, the mentor for, for Sydney. And so, you know, there's this kind of power relationship as well, even though he doesn't want to have necessarily a power relationship in the in the kitchen like that's kind of want, what he wants to break away from and so i think it's <clears throat> i think that's kind of part of the whole story as well right he wants to create his own restaurant that doesn't you know isn't as kind of hierarchical and problematic as his own restaurants that he worked in before 
but then also he can't help but do that when he when other people do the same thing to him or when he has employees that don't necessarily follow with what he wants to do right so like there's always that tension playing out that i think comes up with the relationship with um sydney but it also comes up with everyone else so i didn't think it is like a a cheap scene or just a kind of i don't know just a written in dialogue or something yeah i agree i <clears throat> i feel like it speaks as much to sydney's character as his there's this you know he says you i called all your previous employers and they said you're very talented but you're also impatient and you're very green so in that scene she is pushing this dish on him and he's like it's great we're he's focusing on this that's a great dish we'll get to that and she just keeps pushing for it like so <coughs> should we add it can we add it can we do this are we ready to go and and he's politely trying to just you know move on and suggest to her that yeah we'll we'll get to that and then without actually telling her what's wrong with the dish just says to her it's not ready yet and i i think that her response to that is what suggests the the green element of her experience in a kitchen and her impulsiveness and her impatience and also just the fact that a risotto and braised beef dish suddenly being added to the menu at a like a sloppy italian sandwich spot doesn't make sense in the moment now are you saying that the the sandwiches are like are sloppy italian sandwiches or are they sandwiches for sloppy italians well i, I just wasn't sure what you meant I, I would say both i mean <laughs> but i mean it, you know it's a quick yeah. a, a, a spot where people just come in to get a quick sandwich and they've got this you know the all the prep is like he says we he's like we're we're finally at a place where it feels like we're kind of chill and i don't want to disrupt that just yet you know let's just kind of catch our breath but she wants to go 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 so it, it's a lesson for both of them for him to listen to her and be more of a mentor but also for her to be more patient and listen to the subtle direction that he gave to her like i i enjoyed their dynamic because like the the moments where he was very chaotic she was kind of like uh, calm and sort of textbook and then when she was like super impatient then it was his turn to try to um kind of calm her down and and they had a really good balance and they also both had these weird um like dream sequence well like he had dreams and nightmares about about his stuff but she also had uh, a couple of times these flashbacks about shrimp on uh, a grill like crawfish or something that kind of was never really resolved and i didn't really quite understand uh what that was about do you guys remember that in the show yeah but they they didn't resolve any of that right i don't think so okay i mean i on the very surface level i feel like it's a, a relatable thing you know to be dreaming of work the like the stress of work and um i think that i i get that on that level but certainly for for carmy he's also dealing with this death in the family and as is his sister and his cousin 
And a big part of the show is, you know, the, it opens with this image of a bear in a cage um, on a bridge in Chicago. And obviously he's, it, it's, you know, a, a metaphor for him and what he's going through, not just the name of his restaurant or his nickname. And him processing grief through work rather than, you know, it's like he's ignoring what happened by staying head down and busy in the restaurant. And that's where we get all the stuff with the sister where she she sees the restaurant as a burden and he sees it as a relief and is using it to run away from having to confront what actually happened. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's a, a pretty good um, through line as well. Yeah, for the record, I the dynamic between Sydney and Carm is my favorite part of the show. That scene, I understood all the things you're both saying. What I'm saying by it being written is I don't think those types of decisions and arguments would happen in the heat of a workday. They have family services where they eat together. I don't think the drama and how it plays out and when it plays out would be real. I think that is what's written about the show. Tying this drama and heightening it in the kitchen would not happen in reality. I can't think of a workplace where that would be tolerated. Like now we're going to talk about this in the middle of a service would not happen. Have you worked in a kitchen before? <laughs> would not happen. No place. <laughs> I've worked in a kitchen. I've worked in a kitchen before. Yeah, you get in the middle of in the day, the workday. Okay, we're gonna add this to the menu right now in the middle of the day because I want to. Right? Yeah, that would go over well. That would. No, 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 no. She's not a- asking to add it to the menu right then. Kind and of. I, I'm pretty sure it's during prep, not during the no actual. Way. Would not happen during work. There's lots of time before the. the well, that's starts. the point, Frank. They 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 talk about her being impatient and green. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. We need a little bit of, uh... <laughs> I just don't think it would happen in reality. That's what feels written about the show to me. And I get it. It's a short show. You have to condense ideas. But I'm very aware of it when it's happening in this show. I just don't know how you can so confidently say that that would never happen. Uh, neither do I, but I am very confident. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, where did you work in the kitchen? Um, there used to be uh, um, an Ontario Street at the QEW. There used to be an Italian restaurant called La Fontana. Um, I remember the you, uh, ads on radio. Yeah, La years Fontana, and years and years ago. I, Italian I, restaurants. <laughs> I, I worked in the kitchen uh, for two days. And that's 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 as much as I could handle. <laughs> Fired? It- no, no, I, I quit. I mean, I I, got, I think I was like seventeen at the time, and I uh, I got hired as a delivery driver. Um, and then I, my first shift, they put me in the kitchen washing dishes, and I was like, this is not job that I applied for and and people were insane in that kitchen like there was a lot of screaming, there was a lot of like waving knives at each other, and uh, you know so. Maybe that is something that would happen in the kitchen. I don't know. And and to add to that, they did have a discussion about changing the menu. Right. Frank? Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> so one of the uh one of the other side stories is uh, involves um 
the Carmi and, and, and Richie's uncle, um, Cicero played by Oliver Platt. And, uh, he seems to be a connected guy connected in quotes. And, uh, uh, he's, he's, he's there cause he wants to try to buy the restaurant essentially to get the, the, the land to probably sell it. Uh, uh, but he also lent, uh, Michael, the brother that died over $300,000. They couldn't figure out what that money was used for and then it was never paid back and so that's kind of another plot of them basically uh uh karm is um like used by this uncle to do his bidding because he owes some money uh so what did you guys think of that kind of side story like for me um although part of something that oliver platt storyline uh was one of my favorite moments in the show but but overall um i didn't quite get into that character and the reasoning um mm. uh over over that but what did you guys think about that i mean i assume your favorite moment was one of my least favorite moments but uh <laughs> the um i wasn't crazy about it to be honest i i didn't find it very funny and i didn't really like oliver platt all that much in fact he uh he's my recast decision for later oh. on the show oh, wow. <clears throat> zach what about you what did you think um, I mean, I, I kind of like that plot line. I mean, I like the idea that he owes money and there's something there. And so that there's something that's, you know, driving him other than just the restaurant. And, um, I mean, the, I, I, are we talking spoilers or no? Oh yeah. 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 We're, yeah. we're spoiling the shit out of it. I mean, where it goes in the end, like, I don't understand that at all. Like oh, I did. I, yeah. That was one I, thing I was going to bring up is I didn't quite understand, uh, like, yeah, I have, uh, I have a bit of a take on that, but I don't feel strongly I, about it. I mean, I, I kind of thought the ending was one of the the worst parts of it. Like, it, it just, I mean, especially if if it's like he's, you know, if he's borrowing money from him and then it's like, well, where'd the money go? You just were hiding. It. <laughs> yeah, it's it. very strange. And why, and why and how did you get it into the cans? Like, if I could just find out how on earth did you figure out how to get it into these cans and then... Like I just want to wrap my head around the process of how how difficult that is to recan things, or it's I don't know. As, it's about as difficult as canning something, which happens millions of times a day. It can't be that hard by an average person. So you've canned something that he's connected to the restaurant industry and people who can things. I'm sure there's canning machines. I'll, I'll buy one right now. Everyone challenges everything I say. So uh, let's see if I can buy a canning machine. This is the hill Frank's going to die on. I, I, I'm just kidding. I, I, I mean, and you're going to get wrapped with a, you're going to get it wrapped with the logo of a company, another company. It was bizarre. Look up a, lo- look up a uh, label machine <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> what, did, what did you find, Frank? I can buy a candy machine right now. Yeah? yeah. How much? But I can make it happen. Now, were the... <laughs> Were the were the bags the uh, how much how much wait how much yeah, it's not the right type of kid I want to make sure I have the right type of kid the the bags that the money were in like I kind of because they mentioned the sous vide machine earlier uh, a couple of times during the series um, which would involve putting food in a bag and vacuum sealing it and and cooking it in that so I kind of assumed that those were sous vide bags 
that day that they had gotten the restaurant he put the money into the bags and sealed it and then put it somehow got it into the cans with with the canning machine that they probably have out in the back garage um i mean he works in the industry they would have it back there yeah I mean, they, they would easily have a connection for that sort of thing he, he um, can't get a condenser in the fridge fixed, but he can get a bunch of cans made up. Shit. What? Oh, God. How could he not get the condenser fixed? This is too... He he clearly stowed away a bunch of money. If he needed to take a portion of that money for a canning machine, he could have. Yeah, yeah but he would have to pay for the canning machine before canning the money, right? Yeah, but he was... Ta- he I, I'm, I'm saying that in the show, when they have the the blackout or the the fuse goes maddie is talking about needing to replace the condenser in the refrigerator and that he has a connection and the connection doesn't i don't think it comes through or there's some yeah yeah i'm just saying one brother stored the money the other one had the problem with the condenser they're they, they don't have the same connections necessarily or the same money one had access to money, one didn't. I'm just saying if if it's all based on having connections in the food industry. Buying a canning machine is more about having money to buy. Anyway, let's not get hung up on the canning machine. But I do really like like the, the brother character. Mike. It is the re- it is the real issue though here. Well, do we yeah, want to talk yeah, about how we interpret? We can't that? really we can't really skip around the main issue, which is the canning machine. Well, Frank, yeah, I I am interested in in because like the whole thing with the with the the cans of the tomato sauce. So, like you mentioned the the note that was found, uh, like it's finally opened in the last episode, and it's. Uh, it's a note from Michael to Carmi that says, you know, something like "I love you," and then on the back is the is the recipe essentially for the for the uh, tomato sauce, the homestyle tomato sauce that uh, that they would cook for their family meals. And so that's he starts to to make it, and he uses the small cans because the tomatoes taste better. And as he's opening the cans, and that's when he finds the first thing of money. And then th- there's the whole scene of them opening all the cans to get all the money that was borrowed. So. Uh, I have no idea what that whole thing was all okay, about. So, so, so what was your thought on it? Well, Brian? one, I, th- I still, I would not uh, say I like the decision of the brother to put the money in the small cans. Overall, that seems like anyone could have. Oh, we're short on tomato sauce today. We have to use the small cans. It seems like a bad idea in general. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying it's possible. Second, how I interpreted it is like the brother was stowing away money. Uh, maybe knowing that he was planning on committing suicide or something else and like setting up a plan to potentially make amends with his brother or hand something off to his brother so that he maybe could just do what he wants and have his own vision. It was like, uh, like I want you to do your own thing. I'm sorry. Whatever happens, this is like a passing of the torch and uh, an apology at the same time. And he was planning to do that. And how the show ends is him. Now they're going to start something new. And I think that's what, what the brother's plan was the whole time. So they're not going to pay back uncle Oliver Platt, the money that they owed. They're going to use the money to build a new restaurant. They can potentially, I think they could come up with a plan that involves some version of both, but it's like, it's giving him some type of freedom. Uh, and like 
giving him the opportunity to do his own thing and saying in a way he supports him at the same time and he maybe apologizing for not doing it before. That's how I interpreted it. Well, I think, I think I, you're, you're probably right that he borrowed the money because he knew he was going to kill himself. No, I, I, I think oh, okay. he borrowed the money to franchise the restaurant, right? And so I'm, I'm just seeing something here from the creator, the creator of the bear. He says that um, Uncle Jimmy lent the money, and because it was uh, like because uh, he's connected, as we've established, there were questions about the tax-related issues of having that three hundred thousand dollars. So he hid the money with the intention to use it to franchise, but his. Uh, you know, addiction and uh, depression and everything got the better of him before he could see that through. So the idea is that he borrowed the money with all of the right intentions to use it for what he said he was going to use it for, but he killed himself before he could see that through. Okay. So I guess the <clears throat> kind of nebulous part of this plan is when you see the note and in the back is the family recipe and in brackets, it says like, use the small cans, right? Whether... That, like you could interpret that two ways. Like that's just the way he makes that recipe and that's where he hid the cans or he was hiding it there intentionally for him to get it. I, I guess you it, don't, I, I think it's the same thing as like, you don't really even know. note that I've got this money in the safe. Here's the combination. It's him essentially saying that in code because he hid okay. the, mon the money yeah, specifically the to keep it probably until he decided I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the cans, how did the cash get in the sealed cans? This is directly from the creator of the bear. There is a semi-automatic electric can steamer at the restaurant, which is a quick process and very easy to use. Michael was most likely instructed to not put the money in the bank for a myriad of tax reasons. In his scattered state, the processing of the tomato cans really felt like he was starting to build something. Felt more like a real plan of action to him. A safe felt too safe, too obvious. And then he says, I know, I know it sounds completely absurd, but in researching various kitchens, I was really shocked how many stories and articles I had come across or heard about where money or drugs were found in sealed aluminum tomato cans. So uh, I think the, the crux of that sentence is they had a canning machine. Can you say that? Well, they ha they had a semi-automatic electric can steamer. Oh, okay. right. Sorry, I didn't phrase it that way. <laughs> Zach, do you care to apologize? No, this is clearly the the creator <laughs> just making up some bullshit story. You buy that? Heard. This is a Heard. huge, huge plot gap. <laughs> um, speaking of, speaking of that, like um, storyline as well, I. I'm not impressed with this uh, recipe that he left around either. Like a, t a pasta sauce. Like there's like th three ingredients in that. Like you don't need oh, to leave. <laughs> and any, any Italian that doesn't know how to make pasta sauce. It's the uh, amounts uh, of the ingredients, bud. Uh, oh, no. He, he, everyone would know it. A, a, like an authentic, like uh home style, uh, Sunday gravy. It's, it's San Marzano tomatoes, it's olive oil, it's garlic, it's onions. Like, that's that's all you would yeah, really see, put in. A little salt <clears> and <throat> pepper, that's it. 
Zach doesn't understand this. He's like, no, well, this is what Greg I, is saying. What, what would I, I, what the restaurants I go to, I, I want mine with truffle oil or whatever. Like, <laughs> fuck you, dude. You got to keep it simple and so original is, and how authentic. Does the, the chef at the best, the best restaurant in the world, not know the rest. Like I, I felt there was an aspect to that. Like he was finally telling him the recipe because he wouldn't yeah. tell him, he wouldn't tell him previously. Like he, how could he not figure it out or not know that? That's what Zach's saying. Yeah, Greg is agreeing with me. Yes, he's saying he's saying everyone knows it's the same thing. It's it's garlic, evoo, tomatoes. You personally can in smaller cans. (laughs) You reseal it, Jay. You got to crush it. You reseal it into the can into your automatic uh, can resealer. Seamer. Make sure you use the right terminology. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) <laughs> Semi-automatic electric can seamer. Um, um, so, like, all of this, uh, uh, you know, all these relationships between uh, uh, the family and the chefs, like, um, one of the things that I did enjoy uh, is that before every shift, they have, uh, like, the family meal where they somebody preps the, the meal before they open up for their their uh, their dinner service um now frank did you like that aspect of of that type of a job where everybody that works at a place would get together and have a meal before the start of work absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) eat eat on your own time when work starts we start work (laughs) then we're done i mean i i just i would hate to work in a restaurant i would absolutely hate it i can i can i wouldn't mind being a server uh but to work in a kitchen this environment i i could not handle it all right frank from both perspectives from the leadership perspective and the the actual individual chefs either one of those the way people act there i would lose it i would do it as way before in in your your current workplace as an uber driver um if you were to prep a meal for the of the rest of the crew what would be the meal that you would make? Uh, I'd have to do some beef on whack. <laughs> like I did today. Like I said, uh, I was going to. And Jay questioned whether I would. I did. Zach, what, what about you? <clears throat> what would you? What would you make? Um, what would I do? I would probably do a big bowl of uh, chili for everybody. Nice. Let that Jay? simmer. Let that simmer all day. Jay, what about you? Um, I would do um, a nice big bowl of tomato soup. <laughs> Campbell's tomato soup. <laughs> Keep it nice and simple. Nothing too high class. Simple ingredients. And, uh, yeah. Dip some bread. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely but Frank, a loaf of Wonder Bread, for sure. Frank, I, I wonder how you felt about the moment where they go to the kid's party and and they ask if he brought ketchup, and he says, who, who fucking puts ketchup on oh, a yeah, I forgot hot dog? <laughs> and he's like, kids, little kids put ketchup yeah, on hot me. dogs. <laughs> I'm a little kid. That's okay. That doesn't bother me. I've, that's certainly nothing I haven't heard before. Uh, but at the little kid's party, <laughs> I assume Greg's favorite moment is the kids all getting drugged with Xanax. Damn straight. And I yeah. that really bothered me. I don't like to be uh, all high and mighty and judgmental, but you know, I, I don't think it's funny to drug kids at a party. 
Par- pardon me. I, 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 <laughs> oh I think it was God, Frank here. It's such a prude. I know. I know that's what it sounds like, but I that bothered me. I just don't think that's funny. I don't. I think any person that puts ketchup on a hot dog deserves to get Xanaxed. Sure. And if I'm an adult, yes, 100%. <laughs> I don't I think, think it's funny to dr- dump pills in kids' drinks and then be like, oh, I kind of like it. Yeah, me too. Who cares? Stupid kids. I think that's a, a Chicago thing, too. I, I think they don't put um, ketchup on Yeah, they also, there's also the Chicago dog. The, infl- the Chicago dog. Oh, the yeah. inflatable hot dog It like has the uh, the pickle wedge. Wiener. It's, a, it's a Chicago the, the, dog. The Vienna dog. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> pickle <Frank>. wiener. <laughs> Frank really went through a lot of emotions watching this. I really did. Which is, you know, a lot of them were negative emotions, but I I have to give, let's say, 65% credit to the show for intending to to evoke those emotions. And now the the kid one, I don't think that was intended. I think, Pete, you're supposed to find that funny. I certainly did not. You should write a letter. <laughs> I don't care that much, but it did rub me the wrong way. I just watched your episode of The Bear, and I found it <laughs> extremely inappropriate. The joke that you made about drugging children. Yeah. So um, everything kind of uh, uh, leads up into what I think is the, is the best episode of the series, which is episode <clears throat> seven, when yes. they um, they get all of those lunch orders coming through the electronic machine. And it's kind of just, it's all done in real time of, of like decisions that they, that they need to make and how fast these orders are coming through. And, uh, everybody's, uh, get, it gets like super tense and everybody's on, a, um, on edge and everyone's screaming at each other and That's people are quitting. Breaks, everything breaks down. Everything falls apart in this one episode. And, um, but uh, a, and that's that's when when the chaos comes to like a head and I, I think this was like the best episode of the of, of the season it was super intense and i was really into it um, i also love that it's the shortest episode it's 20 minutes it's like yeah, this moment yeah. captured so even within like a half an hour uh episode structure they fluctuate the length based on like like that matches the episode. That's a nice artistic choice to, like, to capture this super intense moment in a short episode. Uh, and I agree. It's, I think episode seven is the best episode and episode eight is the second best episode. Yeah, I would agree. It, it's all a single take too, which I didn't really realize until like either. halfway through, I think maybe like, it, but it, it's, um, yeah, I guess I was reading about it too, that, they did it like five times or something like that, and but they just did them in single takes. That took them like like twenty five minutes or so. Like so, it is like pretty close to real time, at least. <clears throat> yeah, almost like the uh, live episode of ER, uh, filmed yeah. it in one take and shot uh, in Chicago or a replica of Chicago in uh, the Warner Brothers lot. Well, well said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after episode seven, I said ep- episode eight. I think is the second best, and uh, it's the longest. Yes, and but there's a moment in that uh, with uh, Carmi at the Al-Anon meeting. I think 
and he has yeah. kind of a where the the camera's just on him for an extended period of time which you know we had just watched pearl and it has a very similar moment i was like i like comparing these two moments and they're they're very similar uh, in terms of performance and effect and quality of performance. So I thought that was uh, one of the best parts of the show as well. Yeah, I, I thought that was a great scene as well, especially coming off of, you know, thinking about pacing in terms of episodes as well. You know, they always talked about this with Star Trek, the next generation, uh, having like certain types of episodes following like an exciting action-packed episode would be followed by a very quiet one where data is just observing humans to become more uh human and this is the same thing where it's like a 20 minute stressful energetic single take episode and then the next one you're on someone's face for five minutes doing a monologue it's a ace uh, contrast Gorgeous, gorgeous moment. Gorgeous moment. <clears throat> All right. Um, so does anybody else have anything to that they wanted to talk about on the show? Or should we move into our superlatives? Do you want to give your final thoughts? I enjoyed the show. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the second season. Yeah. Was- Is the second season confirmed? Yep. I think so. Nice. I like the note this one ends on. And how the second season could be a kind of a new thing. I think that's good when shows can kind of mix it up and have a reset in a way for for a new season. So I think that will be fun. And, you know, the first two episodes in, I'm like, I don't know if I will watch another season of the show. But by the end, I was I'm really excited to watch season two. I also just want to say before I forget that I really appreciated Sydney's bedroom the posters in her bedroom yeah. <laughs> speed and junk jumping jack flash uh, oh i that reminds me zach brought this up and uh the music choices of the show i'm kind of curious oh, to see yeah. what jay thinks because you know i it starts with refused uh new noise and like a lot of songs i know <clears> and <throat> you know you might think that's a good when i hear songs i know or kind of like to me, that's a bad sign. Like you're coming up with stuff I like. Like that's that seems like a negative for the show. And I I don't know. That's just me. Like thinking I'm a loser and a piece of shit. But uh, Jay, what do you think? Well, I mean, I thought that the uh, music choices were interesting. I mean, I liked that it was kind of all over the place, and it felt like almost uh, like a, a mixtape in a working environment where there's not much thought put into what is being played. You know, it's just kind of um, like the breeders refused. Uh, is, is there an REM song in there? There's Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Brian Eno. Uh, so yeah. Brian Eno and David Byrne. Yeah. Um, yeah it, I, I, I thought it was a good, soundtrack i mean uh, for me there is i like the soundtrack as well there's only one miss for me jay do you know what it is uh sophian stevens sophian stevens just uh too easy like it was just seems such like a straightforward one it was like uh like that seems like the obvious one for that 
uh, episode or just in general to include that. I, I don't disagree, but I feel like it worked okay with what it was set against, which was just history of Chicago. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> what? Sorry. Did Zach, that? Take it easy, bud. Oh, Zach. Yeah. Chill out, man. <laughs> uh, Frank's right it, this time. Wow. Well, <laughs> yikes. Um, wow. I also very much enjoyed the show and, uh, uh yeah, I'm looking forward to uh season two, whenever that, uh, uh, pops up. So let's uh, get into our superlatives. Um, we'll uh, start with our, our favorite secondary character. Um, mine was uh, uh, Maddie Matheson's Neil Fack. Uh, one great name. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was I was surprised that I, I kind of felt that Maddie was kind of a natural actor. Maybe he just felt comfortable in that kitchen environment. Um, but I, I, I kind of liked how he was kind of manic and, uh, and, uh, and a little, uh, in your face. Um, but I thought it was, uh, an enjoyable character. Um, I think mostly because I, I like Maddie Matson because uh, I was at an event when he was, uh, promoting his, his book, his first, uh, cookbook. And, uh, it was filled with, you know, all these rich people in, in suits that were, you know, I guess they thought they were just going to see, you know, like a TV food chef or whatever, talk about uh, their new cookbook. And he started telling stories about when he first was owned it, when he first had his first restaurant, uh, he would like steal money from the till and like blow it on cocaine and get super coked up. And he was just telling all these crazy Thanks. stories and Thanks. the looks Thanks. of the, of, of these people's faces were went from like smiles to just utter disdain for this man. It was just dropping F bombs and just being super gross. Um, which I found very amusing. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, he, he, uh, Neil Fack would be my favorite secondary character. Frank, uh, my favorite was John Barenthal playing Mikey. Uh, there's this Mikey is this big presence in the show, and like everyone is talking about him all the time. And like, how do you, f- when he does appear in the show, how do you fill that void or capture that essence? And I thought John Barenthal did an amazing job of uh, kind of living up to this character you've heard about for the entire and the, the whole like everyone's lives are kind of built around and i, I thought he was really good I, I do agree with that he like he's in it for so brief but he's by far the most memorable character and i think it's just burnt all such such a kind of engaging actor mm-hmm. zach what about you um for me it was chicago <laughs> I like that. I love this. I love the city. It's it's one of my favorite uh, American cities. That's just because uh, Zach made a lot of money reselling Chicago <laughs> Cubs playoff tickets. A lot of money. I will say also my the only time I've ever had an Italian beef sandwich was at the Chicago Cubs game playoff game 2016, the year that they won the World Series. It was like uh, game one. I went and. The game was almost over. I was full, and I was thinking, I got to get an Italian beef before I get out of here. And I had it, and it was so sloppy and juicy, and it was soaking wet, and it was so good. <laughs> did you did you do the, uh, the the Chicago deep dish pizza while you were there? Of course. I did I did a couple. I, did, I even did a um, 
a flat pizza in Chicago as well. I've heard uh, that the, the, most people in Chicago don't really eat the, the deep dish. That's mostly for tourists. Yeah, that's what Is I read. Is flat so. pizza what they call like regular pizza in Chicago? No, it was like kind of flat crust. Okay. Thin crust. Right. If there's the other one's deep, I thought maybe flat was just regular. <laughs> I guess thin crust is the other way to call it. <laughs> but yeah. Jay, uh, flat or deep? <clears throat> uh, flat. Flat, yeah. For Have sure. you had the deep dish? I did. I also hadn't had it in Chicago. And it was good, but it was very rich, uh, rich and filling. And I prefer the Detroit style. Uh, I also enjoy Detroit style pizza. Similar, the, but the cheese kind of melted over the crust and it gets nice and crispy. Yeah. I've not uh, been to Chicago and I've never had deep dish pizza. Not even really? from Pizza Hut. <laughs> well, that's, pan, that's a pan pizza, not deep dish. Well, I mean the deep dish option. I don't think they have one at Pizza Hut. They used to. I don't think so. Maybe they call them. And for, <laughs> <laughs> we've called Pizza Hut recently, I, I, and we know who was right on that one. So, was was it you guys that used to do the I mean, Pizza Hut buffet all the time? We were talking about <laughs> oh, yeah, that. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. Didn't um, Little Caesars just add like a sh- like a deep dish or something? They have a Detroit style pizza. Oh, is it Detroit style? They've had it for okay. a while, for like four years. Four I, years? I, I think I think Zach is right that they just have introduced the deep dish. At least four years, maybe five years, they've had the Detroit style pizza because Little, C- Little Caesar started in Detroit. This guy loves Little Caesar. He's got all the <laughs> Little Caesar's facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just they started in Detroit. So it looks <laughs> like they, uh, do they have a deep dish? Oh my god! I'm not seeing it, but I'm, that doesn't mean Ep- anything. Episode um, one of Pizza Junk. <laughs> Um, so they they actually call their Detroit deep, deep. style deep dish. Oh, that's weird. What do they call it? Like, isn't it uh, like it's, a typical? It's deep not dish? Detroit style. I think that's uh, what they kind of call it's. It's like Detroit style, where the the cheese goes over the crust, like you're saying. Where isn't like deep dish traditionally like kind of like a reverse aspect to it, where there's sauce on top and yeah, it, it's it's a square. And it's got cheese and then dollops, four dollops of sauce on top. That's which style? Detroit. Oh, okay. Chicago is is round Hi. and it, it's it's like yeah. covered in sauce on top. Whatever, man. Who cares, right? Sorry, I, I apologize. Jay, your favorite secondary character? Uh, I I will say it's a tie between I'll say Maddie just because it's fun seeing him in there, um, but also not just because of that. I th- I thought he was actually quite good, and um, for someone who doesn't isn't an actor, and uh, the guy making the donuts, Marcus, hmm. Marcus. Uh, Frank, you alluded to your recasting earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do you want to get rid of Oliver Platt? Greg, did you uh, did you mention your favorite? I don't think so. Secondary character? Yeah, Neil Fack. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm stupid too. Uh, my replacement casting would be, um, yeah, Oliver Platt. Never been a big Oliver Platt guy. Don't I love Oliver Platt. I do too. Like Placid. I'm happy for you. Uh, I. <laughs> 
I'm happy he makes you happy, but I, I also don't think he really, you know, really cuts the cuts the shape of a mafia quote unquote connected person. And I, I don't think he kind of matches the comedy vibe of the show. I'd throw in Nick to Turo. Uh, I think that's pretty good. Zach, what about you? Zach, are you taking notes? No. Why not? I'm I'm scribbling. (laughs) I'm just scribbling on a piece of paper. Can we see what you've been scribbling? No, I shouldn't. As your lawyer, I recommend you do not show your scribbles. <laughs> um, um I, I would recast the guy who played um, Richie. Um, not that I didn't... I, I Not that I don't like the actor, um, because I do like him. I just... You just think he should be played by someone else. <laughs> Someone who's, just, probably, someone who's worse. Let's cast this with someone who's worse than that actor. Uh, I mean, I, I like that guy. Um, he's in a lot, but he's always at like an 11. Like he's, um, and I would have liked to have seen him a little bit. Someone who's a, who plays at a, a nine. I mean, you know, even an eight would be fine with me. Um, I don't really have anyone in mind. Actually, Nick Turturro would be good at that. Um, honestly, now what, that I'm thinking about that's funny. Yeah, I think that, John, I, I think John Turturro should be <laughs> Oliver Platt. Nick Turturro should be the the guy at the counter. I wanted to recast Richie as well, but I literally couldn't think of anyone else. And yeah. I I also agree with like the at eleven performance, but uh, I don't know. There's it's supposed to be like that, and I think the character's supposed to get on your nerves, and so it kind of works. Yeah, I think it's just. After a while, like it becomes a bit grating, like um, it, m- mostly because it, it's like he's almost the main second. He, he could possibly be the main character in many ways. They probably share equal amount of pretty close to similar time on screen. But I think, um, y- yeah, you don't really see any development until maybe episode seven. Um, you start to see some sort of like change in him, but. So I think it just becomes a little bit too much. A good uh, a good actor to uh, in in that role would be uh, Peter Scanavino, who uh, plays the uh, uh, defense attorney on Law and Order SVU, and all the all the SVU heads out there know what I'm talking about. He'd be good. Fuck yeah, man. Uh, Jay, what about your recasting choice? Uh, well, I misunderstood. I, I listed five recasting choices, but I'm just going to go with one. I, and I did say Maddie uh, was my favorite uh, of the two secondary ca- characters. But unfortunately, I'm going to have to recast him with Bam oh, Bam nice. Bigelow. <laughs> nice. Very good choice. I think that's very good. I thought you were going to say Bam Margera. <laughs> <laughs> no. Would you have him like with the with the tattoos showing, or wearing a hat all the time uh, on the I, head? I, I think he would have to have no hat. No hat. So the flame, that, yeah. flaming tattoo on the top of the head would be showing. Yeah, that's a good yep. choice. Did Bam Bam Bigelow have another character. Um, he went by his real name, Scott Bigelow. Oh, okay. Did you know his last name actually was Bigelow? No. Yeah. yeah. It's a fun fact for all you Bigelow heads out there. <laughs> Jay, was that your, or pardon me, Greg, was that your official recasting choice? The SVU 
actor or no 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 i was just helping out uh, no my um i actually thought uh, there was a brief appearance from joel McHale, mm-hmm. uh which we didn't really talk about uh um he kind of played uh, the terrible mentor of uh, of carmy in in the in the very fancy restaurant and uh uh obviously the best person to uh play that role would be uh Big Bag Theories, uh, Jim Parsons. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. 100%. I always forget. <laughs> uh, let's get into our uh, top five moments. Um, oh, that's what I was thinking with the yeah, five. The five, yeah. Um, well, so I'll, I'll go with, uh, well, I think the, the Joel McHale scene I thought was amazing because he's such a, 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 a prick and that and uh um i just i i i enjoyed uh that type of uh influence over over carmy it would kind of maybe feel a little bit gross but um another time would uh, my other one another favorite moment would be uh, the first time that we see that original beef sandwich that's dripping in the the jus and covered in the jardinier uh it looked fantastic i got hungry um I thought uh, uh, Michael telling the story while he's making the Brajol, um, talking about meeting Dennis Savard, who was one of my all-time favorite NHL players, and uh, which segued into uh, the Bill Murray talk, and then Richie also telling that story to the girl and and just failing her, just not giving a shit about anything that he's talking about, and just focusing that he was at a bar at six forty-five in the morning. I thought it just it was a it was a contrast to everybody loving this story to when when Michael's telling it, and then when Richie's telling the story, it just it falls completely flat. She needed to chill. <laughs> she, what her response should have been was like, can we stop with the Bill Murray stories? <laughs> you love Bill Murray, like, though. Yeah, but I'm sick of hearing about his crazy appearances in the world. Um, the uh, the kids getting Xanaxed Xanax was, uh, was amazing. Disgusting. Uh, <laughs> disgusting. But uh, I think my favorite part was, uh, was the actual... Uh, Brajol and so much of the Brajol talk. And if you've ever had Brajol before, do you have you ever had it? I haven't. No. no. So it's it's like rolled out pieces of beef, like really flat, um, and then it's rolled with cheese and then covered in breadcrumbs and it's fried. And you oh. you and you you can eat it with or without tomato sauce. Some people use eggplant, which is weird, but it's it's an amazing dish and. Uh, it, it's hardly ever referenced on like in any show and you never really see it in any of the cooking competition shows. So I was excited to see this fantastic I mean, Italian anything, dish. That, that's one other talking about being on a lot of things like Bill Murray stories going to risotto. Like it's on every cooking show. Like oh, yeah. that's the thing we're going to do what every kitchen nightmares is done ever. Uh, like let's mix it up. <laughs> Um, with the with the brajol, yeah, Joe Bernthal was making that in the one scene, yeah. and, the, and the person says, "Oh, we should add raisins." Yeah, weird. Do people, do people really add raisins to that? I was. Like, uh, I've never had it with raisins, but uh, but it's a know. thing. I, I suppose you could add some kind of dried fruit to it. You can add raisins to anything. Yeah. <laughs> You throw it in a can with some sauce. Put some money in there. 
That's true. Uh, Frank, yeah, your yeah, top five moments. Uh, number five. As much as it bothered me, it's it's a <laughs> the kids getting Xanaxed. No, it's effectiveness no. <laughs> at creating the vibe of the kitchen, the chaos, anger, and frustration element. Uh, number four, review, twenty minute runtime, uh, very effective. Number three, the Al-Anon meeting speech uh, by Carmi. Number two, the note. You said it, you know, it said I love you, but it was the let it rip. They'd kind of built up this idea of let it rip. When I saw the let it rip, I almost dropped here. It was uh I did like a lot. Let it drip, Frank. Come on, let it drip. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh and number one, kinda together, Cindy uh Sydney and Carmi, that dynamic in both performances. Uh I'm going to mix in some of my recasting just because I made five of them. Sure. Uh, no, no rules here. So number one, recasting uh, uh, Jane Curtin as a sister. Um, number two. Did you had, pick Jane I, Curtin because they were both Saturday Night Live cast members? No, because I actually fell asleep to a playlist of Kate and Allie on YouTube last night, which was cool. Um, <clears throat> I had uh, John Travolta for the Michael character. Um, and This is actually a good idea. Recast the bear 1976. Yeah, with the 76 people? Yeah, no, with yeah, Jim no. Curtin. Like, this is like a 76 version of the bear. Yeah, uh, and I, I had this, this breaks that, but I had John Heater as uh, the chef, the main chef. Um, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, Uncle Rico is Richie. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That works. Um, and I, the other one was Maddie, but I'll say my I will agree that episode seven was a very effective solid 20 minutes of uh of television it was great All killer no filler bud yeah zach what about you jay, jay I, for sure i thought you were going to say in your recasting that you were going to reset it in the er hospital um <laughs> on the warner brothers law yeah <laughs> that <laughs> would be have, good we have cast members walking by and yeah i like that a lot i like that a lot I'm trying to figure out how idea. to get the the Jane Curtain like beef curtain connection. Um, <laughs> I don't know what. There's something there. Something there. Yeah. Something's That's actually a good idea that. for like a like a wretch. There must be an old show that they want to bring back for nostalgia reasons or whatever. And the characters are old or, or something like that, where they went to a restaurant or a place all the time and now set the reboot in that restaurant and maybe they pass through from time to time and they get pulled in. Has this been done? It's before? called, it's called beef curtain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just think a show should do that. I think, or not even a restaurant, but a secondary place from an old show and make the, a new version of that show around that restaurant. And now the characters are older that maybe they come in for a special. Well, they they kind of do that with the peach pit in the, Oh, okay. All right. Say by the bell reboot. But they don't call the show the Peach Pit. I want the show called the Peach Pit. Oh. 
Wait, was the Peach Pit was nine hundred two one zero? Correct. I said save by the. What was the save by the bell? Maxes. Maxes, yes. Yeah. And which, which was Al's? <clears throat> oh, that was Happy Days. Happy Days. Happy Days. Yeah. Uh, so, so Jay, if in, in the scene in, in the bear when when it had all the the people in costume who were waiting outside in line for uh, the restaurant to open, if first in line in their scrubs was Noah Wiley and and Mackay Pfeiffer from ER, read, would you have like freaked out? I would have loved it. I yeah. would have thought it's great. I mean, I brought that up. I, I also at the start with the ball breaker video game thing, I thought I'm not gonna like this show. <laughs> I didn't find that particularly funny or interesting. At that point, did they show the Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters posters, yeah. framed posters? Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Murray. Uh, Zach, your top five. Um, okay, so number five, I just had um, Joe Bernthal as Mikey. Um, Joe or John? Let's... Who's to say? <laughs> John. Um, number four, I just put the music in it. Um, brought back some classics as well. Some, uh, so that was nice to see. Some classic nineties. Wow. Some even some like uh, Van Morrison and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, I have the uh, m- the monologue scene in the Al-Anon, um in episode eight. To start number two. Okay. Great. Greg, I did have something similar. I had the shots of Italian beef, uh, episode one. And then uh, number one was episode seven. Um, I think I agree it was uh, the high point of the show overall. Yeah, I wonder if the real restaurant is getting people coming and making pilgrimages and eating in, in the real restaurant that they shot it in. I would hope it. so. We gotta do it. I mean, personally, I would go straight to the back, get some of those cans of tomato sauce. Yeah, good idea. Good uh, idea. Okay, so uh, our, our email is tvjunkpodcast at gmail and, and uh, you know, I encourage you guys if you when we're before we're recording, if you if you have any like questions you want or things you want us to discuss, feel free to shoot us an email and let us know. Uh, so we got one from uh, Joshua Hoover, and I think this is an excellent question. So uh, the TV junk, film junk, the regulars, all of us, we start a restaurant. So whose and what role is the first part of the question? And uh, so I, I was thinking about this. Uh, uh, Jay, yeah, you're definitely Joel McHale. You're you're the guy the leaning over Frank, who is who is the head chef. You're fucking and- shit. You suck so bad. Your beef on wax sucks. <laughs> and to, till Frank just loses it, and uh, uh, just starts going crazy. Um, I think I would be front of the house, uh, working the register, taking the orders. Uh. uh Zach, I, I think yeah, you're you're prepping veg all day. That's <laughs> just that's, uh, yeah. Um, 
I, I think uh, uh, Dax, he's he's in there making the bread, making the cakes. He's being super creative, uh, doing his thing. Decorating the cakes. Yeah, decorating. That's good. <clears throat> and then, uh, and I think, uh, I think, uh, I, it left me with Sean, and, and I don't think Sean should be the one at the pass calling out the orders because he's got a quiet voice. But uh, I say, I, oh, I swear, what's this? I, uh, I think, uh, I think beef, Sean's on meat. Sean's on meat. He, he's, oh yeah, hundred he, percent. He's, he's preparing the meat. Personally, I would put um, Sean at the bar just to be able to get all the tips from all the the women, from the men. Just we just bring them in. I think that's a that's a good. So um, then the next part of the question is what's on what's on the junk menu? Wait, a, what was Frank? Did you say what Frank was? Fr- Frank's Frank's the head chef. And I, you're I the one screaming at him. I could not be. Him. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, I would have to be. Uh, Bus boy, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or I don't know if we have servers or waiters at this restaurant. I, w- I would prefer to do that, sir. No, you you would be the uh, health <laughs> officer coming into <laughs> health and safety. Well, what rules have you broken recently? I think I think Frank would be like HR. He would be the person trying to uh, police what other people are talking about and all the harassment. I don't like start. enforcing rules. I just <laughs> that's what HR does. They just no the rule. They enforce them. I do. Not, I. I've, there's no part of me that wants to be an enforcer of anything. That is so unappealing to me. So what's 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 on the junk restaurant menu? Jay's is it is, is it is it, is it braised beef over risotto? Probably not. No, it's probably a hot dog with ketchup, uh, a hamburger with ketchup, and Detroit style pizza. Poutine. No, that that's too fancy. Too yeah, too much flavor true. there. Yeah. Um, donuts. Plain yeah, old fashioned donuts <laughs> and uh, <laughs> vitamin supplements. <laughs> yeah, good. Good, just like maybe uh, just just iceberg lettuce in a bowl with some dressing. Yep, and Wonder Bread. And Wonder Bread. <laughs> I, think, I think we'd do well. Uh, who loses it and rage quits first? Frank, obviously, you're out of there immediately. Look, I yeah. I, I, I never quit. No. And then uh, the last one is who stabs who accidentally in quotes. Sean stabs everyone. <laughs> what about why, why don't we do grilled cheese? Jay's good at making them. I'm pretty good at making mm. them. Sean loves them. He'll be passionate about it. Let's do a cool grilled cheese. Does Sean love them though? I, yeah. I think Sean just eats them because it's the thing that he hates the least. No. Sean has always said <laughs> he would rather take a pill than eat food. He's. You know, it's there's some truth there, but he loves grilled cheese with ketchup. I don't know. Does he eat ketchup on his? No, no, no? I plain. Don't like, I don't like that either. You don't like, really? Wow, I'm surprised. Uh, all right, yeah. Too Film much junk, flavor. Uh, uh, TV Junk Podcast at uh, gmail dot com, and you can follow us on uh, Twitter as well. TV Junk Podcast. You can follow me, the Gas Man Lives. You can follow me on Ball Junk Podcast. Zach, where can we find you? Uh, you can just check me out on Discord. Pro- probably won't even be on there that much. So 
I'll be on I'll be on TV Junk every week. And uh, <laughs> you'll be talking about uh, Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, I'm always down to talk Batch in Paradise. Oh, Frank, where do you finish this episode? Oh, it's a good one. It's already good. So sounds sounds good to me. I'm in. I love this. Uh, Jay, where where can we find you on the internet? Uh, on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, whatever the things are. The things are Jay yeah. on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, and uh, uh, Frank, uh, people can find you getting COVID at the Peelers. Uh, <laughs> That's I, what he would be doing in the kitchen. He's a peeler. He'd be peeling the. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my Uber, my yeah. Uber handle, I, I don't really give that out. So you, you got a great rating, though. Very good. Five stars. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast, guys. And uh, uh, the next one is probably going to either be Andor or She-Hulk, whatever ends first. I'm not sure which one, but uh, that'll be the next one coming up. Thanks for listening. You can watch Mr. Rogers. You can watch Three Company. And you can turn on fame or the newlywed game or the... You can watch Barney Miller, and you can watch your MTV, and you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head, that'll be okay with me, and you can watch...